the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like on top of me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy, because it feels so empty without me. I said, this looks 82 like years ago, we were attacked by the ideological fascist socialist slaves to destroy the country of freedom. And it wasn't FDR that beat them. It was us, American citizens. It wasn't the political whores. They went to bed every night safe and sound with their ugly, homely wives like Mrs. FDR. It was the American citizens who understood what they were fighting for. This is the exact time we're living in now. The only difference is the attack is far more thorough, far more, de- far more devastating. In fact, the American Democrat Party has done to the American principles what the Japanese and the Nazis wanted to do. They have destroyed the principles. They have weakened our country. In fact, a little story just broke not that long ago. Turns out from July to just September, American household wealth has declined by $2.2 trillion. That's what Joe Biden was hired to do. He was hired by the Chinese Communist Party and oligarchs in the Middle East as money traces right back to the Houthis and the other inbred goat Casanovas, whether they be Hamas or Hezbollah or whatever it is. It's all about funding and financing the Democrat Party. So we're being we're under attack right now, and it's an exciting time to live. Because here we are, just 82 years, just 82 years from the last time we were attacked by ideological fascists, collectivists. And we have kids that have no idea what that even means. They have no idea what this country was and who we are. But we're going to show them. And last night during the debates, everyone is talking about who really won and who lost. But the moral of the story is what you saw is what not to support. The way I see it, you have two guys that represent American principles that these kids, 82 years ago, went and killed government supremacists, whether they be Nazis or Imperial Japanese, whatever they were. And that was Vivek Ramaswamy and Donald Trump. And that's it. The rest of them are all collaborators of government supremacy. As far as I'm concerned, to go over the clips with Nikki Haley and the fat slob, who, by the way, looks terrible, doesn't he, Squirrel? See what happens when fat guys try to crash diet? Terrible. He looked like he died. You see the bags under his eyes like Uncle Fester with hair. In the meantime, he did his job, which was stoke up for the collective. And in the meantime, how many elected Republicans really are interested in solving the problems? The main problem is we have an invasion. Men. Men who don't have an allegiance to the principles. They're not here because they believe in Americanism and they want liberty and justice. What exactly are they doing here? And why do we have on soft numbers, 7 million, 
if you do the average monthly gotaways, you're at 14 million. Why are we still in this predicament? You know, Republicans uh, talk about uh, immigration reform. They talk about border security. Uh, The president, you know, on day one, the president put forth an immigration policy, right? He's right. She's right. I almost said he. What's the difference? She's right. The affirmative action moron is 100% right. Because on day one, what he decided to do is not enforce the laws that have been on the books for decades. For decades. And, you know, I play the clip often of Bill Clinton. I play it during his 1995 State of the Union speech. And the reason that I play it is to give you a perspective of exactly what has happened to our American political structure. You could have disagreements, and we all did, with Clinton and Gore and the rest of it. But there was still an ideology about protecting Americans, protecting Americanism. That ideology, unfortunately is something that we talk about just in memory. It doesn't happen to be um, a shared ideology. The American Democrats want to implode the system because they know there's more money in it. That's why Chicago today was floating the idea of passing a Bill of Rights for illegal aliens whose first decision was to break our law. Just as Joe Biden's first act after he stole the office was to nullify our immigration law. All Americans... Not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more, by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deeper... And now those same Democrats guarantee a massive implosion of not just our social systems, by the way, have you, do you have anybody in a hospital? you have anybody that needs a procedure? How many illegal aliens in the Chicagoland area are they behind? You see, there's the other dirty little secret. Exactly how, they, how illegal aliens get here and then jump to the front of the line in every category of what our taxpayers have paid for in generations. In fact, some descendants from those veterans from 82 years ago are still pushed back in line. And the Democrat infrastructure, the Democrat administration, all of which we don't really know how they got their... Their jobs, we just know most of them are affirmative action hires, like Shalanda Young. She could have never worked in the Clinton administration. Will the president call him to the White House? Will he go to the Hill? You know, where's the urgency here? Uh, you've heard the president's own voice, Andre. You know it is uh, the, the most urgent thing we can do is have the American people hear from the president himself. Uh, he has done several addresses to the nation, uh, including yesterday's speech laying out uh, the stakes here. You saw my letter to Congress. You saw our national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, uh, speak, to, uh, speak to this last night. Uh, what a gift this is uh, to Putin to watch what is happening here. Uh, and I really hope we can move beyond the politics of the day, beyond it. She's tied spending to the most corrupt country in Europe, the one that gives the kickbacks, the one that hired 34 new lobbyists from just having three, the ones who are putting our money back into the coffers of Democrats, the Ukrainian funding of fraud to securing our border. And this is what they're going to stick with, believe me. 
We're always willing to have a conversation, um, but I believe Congress has been talking about this long enough, and I'm happy uh, that the question was called. Unfortunately, uh, people who know the stakes, who are supporters of Ukraine, who are supporters of Israel, uh, decided to put politics ahead of our uh, national security interests. And frankly, I'm, I, I remain stunned by that. The idea that we don't fund our government why not one item at a time and we're allowed to bundle it and to package it tells you that they want the fraud to continue just like chicago make no mistake today's vote's going to be long remembered and history's going to judge harshly those who turn their back on freedom's cause we can't let putin win The Senate planning to vote on a multi-billion dollar aid package for Ukraine. President Biden proposed the aid package, saying it appeals to both political parties. The president warns not passing the aid package would put Russia's president at an advantage in the war with Ukraine. So they tied it to that bill because historically Republicans would turn a blind eye to anything that guaranteed funding to our ideological enemies in the Soviet Union, in the Middle East. But there's been a change. And that change is a good thing. And you saw that change on display last night with Vivek Ramaswamy. What you also saw was Vivek Ramaswamy explain exactly why Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, and all of the other whores on kickback schemes from the military-industrial complex, why they advocate for more money, for more wars, why they bundle our own security against the security that enriches them, that can never be audited, as we are just learning that 50 cents out of every dollar into the Pentagon is stolen. Nikki, you were bankrupt when you left the U.N. After you left the U.N., you became a military contractor. You actually started joining service on the board of Boeing, whose back you scratched for a very long time, and then gave foreign multinational speeches like Hillary Clinton is. And now you're a multimillionaire. That math does not add up. It adds up to the fact that you are corrupt. Identity politics. This new religion that says your race, your gender, and your sexuality are your identity. It is anti-American. It is well, and then, and then right on cue, Chris Christie came to her defense, not as a corporatist whore who has sold out her country for individual profit, but because she's a woman. So this is the, this is the modus operandi that used to be implemented by the Democrats, now implemented by candidates running for the most important office, the one that was stolen the last time, because the winner of that race is still facing political persecution, the likes of which not many have ever seen. The Attorney General committed fraud, and you just saw it right up there. She's a fraud. This whole case is a fraud. It's election interference. It's keeping me here instead of Iowa and New Hampshire. You just saw it. The Attorney General's a fraud. She committed fraud. So now I'm wondering, whoever is going to be left standing at the end of the corporatist charade called our next election, because I am not convinced they will not steal the next one as they stole the last one. I'm wondering if they're going to start to run on what the American people really want. We want our nation back and we want the laws implemented. And on day one, what needs to happen by any candidate that would even be considered running for office against the most corrupt, incompetent failure this country's ever had in office has to immediately deport Every single illegal alien, every single one that has come in since the most corrupt political whore who has ever been tied to enemies foreign and domestic stole the office. Every single one. All 12 million. Because the reality is we're losing money 
every millisecond of every day, and nobody seems to care. And they will lie right to your face as they lie to each other. But then what's the disconnect between what people are feeling and seeing uh, at the grocery stores, at the, at the tables, and what the president is saying about so let me let me just be real clear. We get into the holiday seasons. We've actually have seen a decrease in eggs, in bacon, in milk uh, since last year. So we are seeing lowering cost as we're going into the holiday season, as we're, as people are going uh, to do some holiday shopping. We're seeing uh, lowering costs in, in TVs and things that people need to think about as, as they're going to give a gift uh, to their loved ones. And so- now, the only lowering costs that are ever seen are the ones that are spent on the welfare people. Welfare people do not care about inflation. So this is an exciting time in America. You can make a decision. Are you going to pretend it's just normal? Because what needs to happen is the people who don't vote. What needs to happen is the people who are the true victims, the earners. They need to rise up and make their point understood. They need to tell the corrupt government that lies right to their face that it is time to enforce the laws and abide by the principles of our nation. 312-642-5600. This is the Sean Thompson Show, where Democrats are always wrong, Republicans are seldom right, and politicians are never, ever to be trusted. On AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. I have said for years it's impossible... For the federal government not to understand the threat of our nation when it comes to having cartels with an open expressway to destroy our major cities. And that's exactly what the southern border is. Mexico is a cartel front. It's not actually a country anymore, and it certainly doesn't have a government. It's been infiltrated and owned by cartels for the last 60 years, maybe 80, if you trace back the real use of drugs and where it started to come in. And I, we also discussed how Hamas, Hezbollah, and the... Goat Casanovas that are destroying the quality of life around the world are all tied to the drug cartels. Here's a Chicago gang leader that I think you need to know about. A man arrested yesterday in suburban Lombard is accused of trying to send money to ISIS militants in Syria. Prosecutors say 37-year-old Jason Brown is also a gang leader. According to investigators, on three occasions, Brown gave money to someone who he believed would forward it to an ISIS fighter. That person was actually working with law enforcement. So housewives from uh, Naperville know exactly where to go downtown and buy all kinds of dope, but the federal government can't stop it. Really? The federal government needs it to, to exist because they make money on the collapse, which is what you're seeing before you. This isn't what veterans fought for. This isn't what people thought as they were proud of their country and exposed patriotism and tried to say, well, America is the best. What we are now is no better than a third world country, and we now have the infrastructure to prove it. Michael called yesterday. Michael in Chicago, thanks for calling back. Thank you. Love your show. I know my relatives are not listening to this because they're all Democrats. Good. It makes you feel nice and clean that they're not listening, doesn't it? Go ahead. <laughs> I was born and raised on Harrison and Racine, East County, West of Graham bus station. All right. I still go back there for food, but go early in the morning. Before the gangs wake up. My father had eight brothers and sisters. I have African-American cousins and Hispanic cousins. I hope I, I, hope I inspire somebody today. American, Michael Medved wrote a book, The American Miracle. Yep. Referral, 
before our God, our Lord, influenced everything about the United States and everyone. My grandfather, my mother's father, lived in Coffeyville, Kansas, with his father, his uncle, and his brother. They sold supplies to the Dalton brothers. Now, Michael, I remember reading on this screen yesterday, you're a veteran as well, aren't you? No, I'm not. Oh, I I thought you were. Oh, you're a doctor. You're the doctor. Doctor, doctor. Yes. Yeah. How long did you practice, and where did you practice? I practiced in Oak Park and Forest Park. I'm a chiropractor. Oh, wonderful, Michael, wonderful. My brother brother is is an only child. Wait a minute. Is it, why is there a math question there? How's your brother an only child? Because <laughs> I am. All right, we're going to put you. On, <laughs> all right, we're going to put you on hold. Thank you very much, Michael. Eduardo, Tampa Bay. Is your brother an only child? Uh, I got a younger brother, but he's still in Chicago. He should know better. He should. I told him get the hell out of. He's coming to Tampa uh, Saturday. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. He's still going nice. back. Yeah, tell him he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to duck and run and cover if he hears anything loud. He'll be all right. Go ahead. Right. Hey, Sean, what are they going to be doing about it? This might be small time, but, uh, you know, John Bowen had that 5,000 troop on the notepad. Mr. Maduro thinking about taking over yeah. Guyana. Yes, yes, yes. So now we're going to go into World War III, right? Because right. Uh, did Venezuela had a vote on it, though, right? They voted if they want to squash the other country, didn't they? Well, you know, he's going to Russia. Speaking of Russia, he's going to Russia because he has to get approval from, uh, you know, who? Mr. Putin. Putin. Putin? Yeah. Things yeah. are shaping up. Things are shaping up for World War III, and Joe Biden did his oh, job. Yeah. He made it so that we're going to lose for certain, and because we're already in economic turmoil, we're stretched all over the world, and it looks like the money invested in the Biden campaign by the Chinese Communist Party was money well spent. Not to mention Ukrainians, right? They blew through what, $200 billion? The whole country had a GDP of $18 billion? Seems to be a good investment right. to buy a Biden. You get all of our money for nothing, and you get exactly what you want. We're no longer superior. Thank you very much, Eduardo. I appreciate it. George in Naperville. Yeah, sure. Sean, Corp- Corpulent Christie was like a knight in shining armor last night, coming to Nikki Haley's emotional rescue. So I'll tell you what, I, it was something to see. But what I saw up there, really, was an example of who exactly is sticking together and what they're sticking together for. That's the real lesson to be learned here. When you saw Chris Christie knows nobody liked him. He knows when he left New Jersey, he had a 9% approval rating. He knows he's been a collaborator with corruption. He's everything that these Democrat strongholds produce in a so-called opponent. What he knows he has to do is derail Donald Trump, which is why today was very interesting. Today, he was questioned as to how he thought he did. This is fantastic. At this stage in 2015... Ben Carson was ahead by 10 points in Iowa, and Ted Cruz was at 7. But if okay, you know so, better than everybody else, this is not 2016. You've got an in, functionally an incumbent president you you're trying to change people's minds He was significantly about. more popular in 2016 than he is today, and that's a fact. He's also he more was well an known unknown now. quantity. Now, he was just as well-known back then. Just as well-known. The guy was on network television for 10 years. Come on. He had one of the top-rated shows on TV. What We, we knew less about Donald Trump back then than we knew today. 
today, and everything we've learned about him in the last seven years makes him less qualified, less fit, and less electable. And where was me up there? I finally got a chance. You know, after a while, you know, when the stage is that big, you know, you got to make a decision about whether you want to you know, keep interrupting all the time. But tonight, the stage was smaller, it was more manageable, and I told all you guys, there's only one prosecutor on that stage. You saw me prosecute the case against each one of them tonight, and that's exactly where I'll prosecute the case against Joe Biden next November, and that's why I'm going to be president in 25. And they all swarmed him, and I was like literally stuck in the She's like, where's she going? You know what they say in Mauro Sparks World? Denial's not just a river. It turns out that Chris Christie thinks he won last night. And I'm wondering, I, I, I think, and I don't like Vivek Ramaswamy because he's a pump-and-dump expert in big pharma. But I'll tell you what, I thought he did fantastic last night. Meritocratic, it's anti-meritocratic, and it is dividing this country to a breaking point. But it's even worse when Republicans try to play the same game. And Nikki Haley's campaign launch video sounded like a woke Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light ad talking about how she would kick in heels. At the first debate, she said that only a woman can get this job done. That's what she said. After the third debate, when I criticized Ronna McDaniel after five failed years of leadership of this party and criticized Nikki for her corrupt foreign dealings as a military contractor, she said that I have a woman problem. Nikki, I don't have a woman problem. You have a corruption problem. And I think that that's what people need to know. Nikki is corrupt. This- Couldn't agree more. Curious to know what you think. 312-642-5600. I'll take your calls when I get back. He will never negotiate his constitutional rights with the government. Live free or die on The Sean Thompson Show. On AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. The day that will live in infamy. Maybe the reason it doesn't get the attention it deserves is because they don't want the American people to know that the Democrat Party has the same ideology as the Third Reich, but more importantly, that we beat them. And we kicked their ass! We didn't just beat them. We Hamas beat them. By the way, have you seen uh, the uh, homeland of Hamas? It looks like the frackin' moon. Go IDF and happy Hanukkah! Uh, Mike, Plainfield. John, thank you for bringing that up. You know, it really, really has my blood boiling today, the fact that I, I, I watch online this, this guy post, well, not him, but his handlers, post all this stuff about student debt relief and climate change and all this other BS. But now all of the fascism, all of the fascism and the phony virtue of the Third Reich. You, you realize that, Mike, right? That's the fascism and the phony virtue of socialism of the Third Reich, now implemented by Joe Biden. But we can't once point out that it's December 7th and recognize all of those who fought for what made this country the best thing in the world anyway. We just let that completely go. And it just oh, gets me so mad. And you know, Mike, we are descendants, most of us, and there are still, thankfully, thousands of uh, World War II veterans alive, but more are dying every day. And eventually when it's gone and you see the idiots that are the kids and the product of the government education system, it won't be long. And they won't even talk about it ever. So I'm going to play a tribute because of you, Mike. Thank you very much. I appreciate the call. Uh, I was waiting for the right time to play it. I think it's we should play it a couple times. 81 years ago today, Americans were rudely awakened 
On December 7, 1941, Japanese fighter planes known as Zeros unexpectedly and brutally struck Pearl Harbor, home of the U.S. naval base on the American territory of Hawaii. For the first time since the War of 1812, Americans were attacked on their own soil by a foreign power. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. And America was caught off guard. Despite a long-standing trade war with Japan, few, if any in this country, felt it would come to the Japanese hitting us in the Pacific. Their assaults on China, which included the brutal rape of Nanking in 1937, in Manchuria, renamed Manchukuo, seemed distant and alien. But as we approach another December 7th, the eyes of the world are again on the faraway Far East. Yeah. Only this time, they're the enemy. They forgot what we did. And I think Russia was on our team then, too, right? Good old Uncle Joe, who went on to kill, what, 10 times the people that Adolf Hitler killed? Yep. Jim and Lyle. John, you really got to keep uh, Cream Puff Jim's relatives off the air. I could have done without the chiropractors. Yeah, he's a nice old man. What are you going to do? Anyway, um, when I hear uh, Chris Christie talk about who was ahead in the polls, in 2015 at this time, and it was Ben Carson. We are in a situation, in my opinion, where we, it's unprecedented. We have the incumbent president facing his immediate predecessor, who many people think stole the election. This this is a scenario that has never happened before. So any polling from prior cycles is useless, and he's an idiot. Well, he's a useful idiot, though. He's a corporatist stooge. You know, I, I still have my suspicions of Vivek Ramaswamy being a stooge and a red herring. However, one thing is for certain. Nikki Haley, Chris Christie definitely are. And, you know, Ron DeSantis, it's sad because I, I, I live in the benefit of how he actually governs, which is fantastic. His timing is so, so completely wrong, and he's so tone deaf to the people who gave him good advice. That troubles me tremendously. But he, he will be a footnote in history as well. The question is, will Donald Trump stay alive? Because something very interesting happened, Jim. I don't know if you heard about what happened after the debate with the FBI agent and Vivek Ramaswamy. Did you hear what happened? No. You're about to. Thank you very much for the call. Vivek Ramaswamy uh, was approached by an ex-FBI agent, somebody who worked on the SWAT task force of the FBI, so he claims. I don't know. I didn't verify the guy, but the the encounter was videotaped. I want you to uh, hear it. Thank you for your service. Sorry, but Jesus, be careful. I will. We will. I mean, we're guided by our purpose. And I know. I know that it can get ugly. You mean? You mean? Like, yes. Be careful. Be careful. Very careful. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do in the bureau? Um, I worked. Uh, I was a SWAT guy, but I worked counterintelligence and uh, counterterrorism, and I was one of those guys that was convinced uh, they would never do it. You. You. you were, how many either. years worked you? In, how many years were you in the FBI? Twenty-two. I was a cop before that. Okay. And you. You're worried. Yes. I'm worried. Okay. 
We just retired. What would you do in my shoes? I get some very, very competent help. Okay. And some very competent people do some intelligence work for you before you went places. Okay. Just walk around, talk to people, maybe get a feeling. Okay. Because you know, that's what I did for a living. I got people to tell me what they didn't want to tell me. And the other thing is. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm trying to follow in your footsteps, but I don't think my worm farm is going to catch up. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. We'll take that seriously, man. When an ex-FBI agent tells a candidate that he has to be careful because of the government, that might be an indication that the nefarious ideology in our country is in control of the bureaucracy that is supposed to protect the innocent people, like Vivek Ramaswamy. After all, he's the only candidate talking properly about the PSYOP, referred to as January 6th. He's the only candidate pointing out the corruption and corporatism on stage with him as the dimwit Nikki Haley, who was busted, is worth millions overnight because she wanted to sit on the board of Boeing and enrich them with her political clout. I think it's something to pay attention to. John in Garfield Ridge. Hey, Sean. How you doing, brother? Good. How are you? Yeah, doing good. You know, I watched the debate last night. Uh, you know, the only thing that inspired me, I think, was the structural engineering of Chris Christie's podium. You know, I mean, that that sucker was – you see how hard he's leaning down on that thing for about two yeah. hours straight? I, I wonder if it's like George Costanza's desk where he's got like a refrigerator and a cooler and he grabs sandwiches when they cut the commercial. That's what I'd like to see because that would be some, some engineering that maybe he could help us with the real infrastructure. Thank you very much, it was, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, so it was like the Titanic. I was waiting for the hull to crack, you know. Was, uh, you know, but him, him calling somebody else an obnoxious blowhard, I mean, that's awful rich, you know. I mean, uh, Nikki Haley, I mean, she's, she's more insufferable every time she opens her mouth. I mean, uh, you know, what do you think about the other two? About, you know, Vivek, I thought he had some good moments. Uh, Vivek, and, I love the way he lies to me, man. I love how charming he is. I love the lies. I love it. I love the sound of his voice when he lies to me. The problem is I know a lot about his past, and I don't trust him as far as I could throw an old-fashioned Buick, not these new Buicks. John in Portage Park, I love the correction. It's not a correction, John. It's just... Uh, <laughs> no, you're right, though. You're, you're right in the beginning, right? The timing of when we were attacked, Russia was really... We were not really Uncle Joe yet. It happened after no. that, didn't it? Yeah. Well, I just, I just wanted to... I don't want to get on your bad side. No, you're not on my bad side. Listen, I love to discuss this because that's a very interesting, that's a very interesting relationship. I'd, like, I'd just like to point out that uh, the socialist countries of the uh, Soviet Union and the Socialist Workers Party of Germany were on the same side. They dissected Poland, and they were on the same side until Germany attacked Russia in Operation Barbarossa. Yes, and uh, they almost. They almost took German. They almost took the whole country of Russia. Yeah, it, they came but, close. They came very yeah, close, but, which is why to this day, and you know what you're describing, to this day the tension between the Azov supporters in Ukraine and Stefan Bandera, the notable Nazi and Ukrainian power broker, and Russia to this day, that all is part of this mix. And it's funny to watch Americans now side with the Nazis, isn't it? Yeah, well, yes. 
But I, 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 like I said, I don't want to get out of your wrong side. I didn't no. mean to correct you. Babe, don't be silly. You're one of my guys. Don't ever, ever think that. I like, I like the discussion. I think it's important for people to hear it and the nuances. And by somebody who knows like you, I agree with you. I, I, I spoke flippantly. But it's an incredible, uh, a real example of our corruption in our foreign policy. And that picture. You are correct, sir. With that picture and with FDR and Stalin. Much. And Stalin sitting next to each other is phenomenal. And how everybody talks, and rightfully so, about the atrocities, the insanity of Adolf Hitler. May he burn in hell a thousand millenniums. But they glaze over the guy who killed a lot more people in Joe Stalin. 312-642-5600. Call Sean now. 312-642-5600. AM560. The answer. Back and to the left. Back. And to the left. Yeah, it was Oswald. Vivek's got, no- Vivek's got nothing to worry about. Ah, oh, that's good stuff. Glenn in Orlando. Hey, Sean, thanks for taking my call. So um, in December 6, 1941, America didn't want to get involved with anything going on in Europe. And it took a major event, December 7th, to change the attitudes of everybody in America. Uh-huh. I hope that it does not take a major event now to get everybody on board with we have to stop what's going on. Chinese nationals so, streaming through our southern border. Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern. we don't know their ideology. We don't know anything. We just know that they're from countries that are embroiled in, really, financial catastrophe and scandal with American foreign policy. And here they are, 565,000 in the month of October, Glenn. We're talking craziness. Yep. Craziness. You know, in March, I was doing some research. Back in March, they said there were 530,000. So let's just do an average, right? Let's cut it in half because you don't want to do it. Let's cut it in half. Let's say there's 200,000 a month for 34 months. You know how many people you're talking about? You're yeah. talking about a tremendous... And, and that's, that's if I cut it in half. If you get, what, How do you know the real number? Estimates are it could be in excess of 10 million illegal aliens. We only have nine states with more than 10 million citizens. You're talking about not mi- imploding our systems. It's insane. They're not, they're not missionaries, I'll tell you that. We have to no. be very worried here. And, and we cannot wait for something major to happen. We have to progr- uh, proactively do something about this. Oh, I am, Glenn. I'm, I, I'm armed like, the, uh, like Ben Affleck and the accountant. Thank you very much. And you know what I like to do on the weekends, Ben? When I'm back in Chicago, you know what I do? I leave my garage door open, and I sit in the three-season <laughs> room. It's called scumbag hunting. Thank you very much. You got to lure them like duck hunting. Uh, Chuck and Delavan. Thanks for mentioning my garage bad name, scumbag hunting. Hey, nice. uh, I won't be at the, I won't be at the bottle shop tomorrow night. I'll be across the street at Magpies. They got a big toy drive. I'll let so the Tribune know. All right. Seven eight. Thank you. Hey, uh, I was calling my buddy one time, and he was at a major food company, and I talked to him, and I called him on a, on his phone through the phone system not on his cell phone and he told me he says dude you're being recorded right now by the fbi he says yeah. we've got like the spyware he said they're spying on you you know because you run for congress and why you do run you gotta be Senate. why do you gotta be so negative chuck i am hoping that the nsa can finally tell me what my wife wants for christmas thank you very much it's not all downside squirrel kent elk grove village hey sean i just wanted to throw this information out there um my dad was in the air force for almost 30 years and he made a lot of good friends one of them was the telecommunications branch chief at Hawaii State Defense for about 40 years. 
And he used to tell my dad all the time that the day before Pearl Harbor, they shut the radars off. Yeah. Oh, listen, and there's a there's a there's an old story about the uh, ambassadors to America from Japan who tried to give more than enough warning. Hey, listen, we've got some issues, and we've got some issues. Yeah, there's actually a book written on it. I can't remember the title; it escapes me. But yep, I remember, there is. I remember the excerpt. Right, yep. well. Thanks, John. Kent, yeah, they seem to profit whenever we're attacked, right? I mean, after all, look at how George Bush implemented all of these new rules to attack your and my privacy. Yet they can't figure out where the cartels are. How do the cartels destroy cities? I don't know. It's a coincidence. 312-642-5600. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560. The answer. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like on top of me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy. If you've read the National Review or the American Conservative, perhaps the modern age, you've probably stumbled upon my next guest's essays. He not only writes for all of those, he is a renowned public lecturer and speaker. He's also a professor, associate professor of ancient Greek philosophy at Colorado State University, author of numerous books. His new book, The Virtue of Color Blindness, comes out next month. He has an article that just dropped, Americans Should Be Blind to Racial Distinctions. He holds a PhD. He is Professor Andre Archie. Thank you for joining me, Professor. How are you? Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me, Sean. I appreciate it. You know, it's an interesting time in America because for for once, I think it is very safe to say we are unmoored from the principles and philosophy that the nation was founded on. And we are drifting through this culture of a virtue totalitarianism. And this is something I didn't think that could happen once we pass those tough growing years. But yet it seems that there are more and more Americans who do not have an individual philosophy and are susceptible to collectivism. I'm wondering... Can we redeem the Enlightenment principles that built the country back, in your opinion? You know, I think we can. And, and my book, The Virtue of Colorblindness, really begins with that, that, that thesis, is that our founding documents can pave the way, especially in light of the racial uh, perniciousness that we get or that we, we have presently. But we have to just pay attention to that tradition, our tradition. Uh, and not just our tradition, but the philosophical, the Western philosophical tradition. And so we, we claim to judge people by the content of their character as opposed to the color of their skin. But in fact, the ideology that we see in the public square today is we have victims and victimizers. The victims typically are people of color, African-Americans in particular, and 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 the victimizers are white people. Yeah. And, 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 and just right in Illinois, I mean, you've heard of this case in Evingston at, at the Township High School. They're separating students according to, to race. Yes. Because, because they're not comfortable. The students of color, black students in particular, are not comfortable being in a class with, with other students, with other races. But it's, it's specifically the, the educational gap. They're trying to protect the, the black students from other students who, who excel academically 
We, we can't go back to separate but equal, but that's exactly what we're doing. So obviously the, the architects of this are the, are the swindlers in our society, as they always have been. I call them government supremacists. And they really use race as a distraction from what their goal is. Their goal is to have a willful servitude. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm wondering, when you see the destruction of these great cities, when you see the quality of life that's destroyed, and you see that, that people, the people who need to move can't afford to move, and they're the victims of the, the utopian statist, mm-hmm. what will it take to wake up? Because I see some good signs in, in Chicago. The Chicago rubber stamp, as I call them, the step-and-fetch Democrat voters. They are mm-hmm. starting to see when you're not the favored class, under a system of government supremacy, it's really not a good one. And do you think maybe through the failure is our hope? I, I, I do think uh, through failure, but I think we have to drop a little lower. We have to go down a little lower. We have to suffer a bit more because I think people still are not speaking up. I think that when you talk about liberty and the principles of liberty, first of all, they have to be taught in the home. And if they're not taught in the home, where do we get it? In previous generations, we got it from, from primary, secondary school levels. But now we don't get it there. We certainly don't get it at the university level. So there has to be some way that we can reintroduce these principles of individual agency, of the love of freedom and free enterprise. But it has to begin with, I think, people in the suburbs, perhaps, not just in the suburbs, but it has to begin somewhere with people speaking up and saying we cannot give government the power because government has taken us down the road of of this racial uh, perniciousness. And so I think it begins with being courageous uh, in the families. That's the only place I think uh, we're going to we're going to see a, a sort of a rejuvenation of these principles. You know what I like though about when you when you go through history. I mean, you're an expert in ancient Greek philosophy, and when you mm-hmm. look at the trials and tribulations of those thinkers, those philosophers, be they Aristotle or Socrates, as he's known in my old neighborhood, Socrates. When you look at, uh, <laughs> when you look at their, their troubling childhood, some mm-hmm. of them, in fact, didn't have fathers, weren't raised right. in tight families. When you look at our own founder, founding fathers, most of them had their fathers either killed or ran off. They were raised by mothers right. in some cases. This ideology that you hear, and I, I hear on conservative talk radio, you know, I don't even call myself a conservative. I don't know what that means anymore. But the point is, there is no absolute formula other than to instill in all men, women, to instill the, the concept of a philosophy of their life. So they don't just survive, but they live according to a philosophy so they can thrive. And that's what I hear is being lost. They're not talking to kids anymore about expanding their own ideology and principles and intellect and the love of self. It's always this collectivist nonsense. And that is the swindle, whether it's Marxism or communism or Trotskyism, whatever you want to call it. It's this ideology to be subservient to others. And we're not built on that. But if you get enough people that are willing to give it away, can you lose it? Oh, that, that, I mean, what, what you just said is completely correct. I mean, it's also called structuralism, the idea that the individual doesn't really matter. It's the structures. It's the systemic features of society that really uh, matters. And so the individual becomes very insignificant. 
What happens when this when, when the individual becomes insignificant? Well, the government uh, gets larger and more powerful. And so you're right. I mean, education has to instill the principles that made this country great. Now, now I don't have a prescription as to how that can be done exactly, but I do think that if we if we reacquaint the young with this Western philosophical tradition, the tradition that formed this country, I think we can at least begin on the individual level of having kids, students see that they, they, they can make a difference. They can ex- expand their personalities. They can expand their capabilities. They can be like a Socrates, right? They can be like <laughs> Socrates. And, yeah. and, and, and if they feel like they have the potential and they can actually make a difference, and that it's just not the system, I think we'll start to see change. But we have to have a new set of educators. We have to have elders that really push that, that, those ideas. And that's what I'm hoping emerges. That's what I'm hoping my book at least begins to chart a path. But it's that Western philosophical tradition as it, as it extends to the American founding and those principles. Because after all, those principles freed the slaves. Yes. Those principles made it possible for women to be able to vote. Those principles made it possible for the working class, for the working class individual to, to, to achieve. But we've gone backwards. And so I think that the rejuvenation has to begin with a set of ideas that are embraced by the majority of those who actually care. I'm curious to know, as somebody who is teaching young people today, as somebody who interacts with people, I have my own kids, but it's different, right? It's your own kids, and there's a communication difference between strangers and, 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 and uh, relatives. Mm-hmm. When you see these kids who are, for the first time, away from their families and their parents, and they get distracted, as all kids do, it's just the natural history, there may be a blessing in the fact that they're entitled and spoiled. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. They're not used to sacrificing. They're not used to lower standards. Do you think that maybe society will capitalize on the fact that the quality of life that this our country's ideology has built may actually be what saves it against the swindler that tells the people you have to be part of the collective? Because when you look through history and you see all the collective uh, nations that failed and all the phony virtue and promises of utopia, they had poor people who were destitute and starving. It's harder to do that to spoiled, entitled rich kids, isn't it? It, 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 very, it very much is. It very much is. And, and, and I think that's the problem, is there's not a lot of sacrifice that's required today. And I think you do get some sacrifice, at least in communities where, you know, things are difficult. But even there, we're not getting the right sorts of values. So we have to sort of align um, sort of a hardness, not in a negative sense, but a hardness that's sacrificing for a greater good. And so my, my issue is coming is always going back to the idea of agency. So even if we have softness today, yes, students are soft. They're, they're you know, if they get an F or, or, or if they don't get the grade they think they should get, they, who do they text right away? They text their parents. I mean, I've witnessed this. And so and, yeah. and, and we, we didn't have that, 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 that privilege of, of always resorting back to the parents and getting advice, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think that if we can sort of channel that softness in a way that at least gets them to see that yeah. they exist in a, in a, in a broader, in a broader uh, 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 system in which certain principles can help define their lives and help them feel fulfilled. 
And so I think that we don't necessarily have to have, you know, the sort of sacrifices that our, our, our previous generations had, right? But we can at least align our principles, our founding principles, with a sense of purpose and fulfillment. And that, that, that's needed in order to give students a sense of personal agency and a sense of control over their future. Now, the, manip- the manipulation of racism and the manipulation of guilt of race guilt is a fascinating thing to watch when you see the the swindlers in our society let's call it the government and you see them try to try to indict people who didn't commit the crime try to bestow upon them an obligation that doesn't exist because they didn't commit the acts i'm starting to see a pushback and i think that's a good thing by people who refuse to be indicted for being a racist, for being a sexist. I didn't commit any crimes that happened prior to my birth. My ancestors didn't commit any crimes that they're being accused of. So isn't there a certain pride that may come from the the abuse that's being laid out by the virtue entitled called our government, the manipulators, the those who want to wield racism in the name of correcting racism? I mean, ultimately, this may this this distress may push us to the philosophy that was always needed for the last thirty years, couldn't it? Well, well, yeah, I, I think that's partly true, and I think that in, in my book, The Virtue of Colorblindness, there's a there's a chapter called Comfortable Racism, and what that is is it's an exha- it's an exhaustion, a middle class exhaustion with the topic of race mixed with anti racism, and as you know, anti racism is predicated on the idea that America, Western civilization, civilization is systemically racist, and so what needs to be done? We need to positively discriminate, right? We need to positive, positively discriminate in order to equalize the outcomes. And so I think that's pretty prevalent now. I mean, I hope you're right. I hope that's changing. But I do think that once people start speaking up, right? So those people that you say, you know, they're, they're starting to see, they're starting to see what, what, what the government is doing. Once those people speak up, once we have people speaking up in the public square, right? Not yes. just telling me, not just congratulating me on my book and speaking up, but we have to have soccer moms speaking up. We have to speak up at our synagogues and our churches. Once that happens, I think what you say will come to fruition. But I yeah. hope that happens. I can't guarantee it. I don't think it's inevitable, but I do think there's an exhaustion out there. And some people are just throwing up their hands saying, okay, whatever, anti-racism, at least we're learning about uh, our past. And I'm saying, no, don't give in. Don't get exhausted racially. We have to keep the fight a good fight. Professor Archie, I think what people have to understand is that, as you, as somebody who's researched the true fathers of philosophy, and you go back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and you realize the thought that they had, the intellect that they had, you realize that we were smarter then than we are now, just knowledge is more convenient because we can use Google. But that may actually spawn a resurgence as we go through American dark ages. I always think that could be the silver lining. And I think when I see a professor who's active, right on the philosophy of the Enlightenment like you, and you're teaching strangers, you will touch a number of those kids, and that will be the virtue. And that's what I love about it. And I, I can't wait to read the the uh, the virtue of color blindness. And I'm going to really like my copy because you're going to send me a signed one. But I'm going to have of you course, back on. <laughs> I'm going to have you back on. When is the release date? So the release date is January 2nd, and uh, I'd be happy to send you a copy. I can't wait, and I look forward to having you on uh, in the future. Okay, well, thanks, Sean. This has been great, and uh, you know, hopefully I've influenced some people, and I know you are too. Thank you. Thank, 
Thank you very much, Professor Andre Archie. I appreciate you for joining me. We'll be back with your calls and comments. I was just listening to the Sean Thompson show. I am saddened that this guy supposedly represents us. I mean, I am appalled. He's just disgusting, sexist pig, and an absolute disgrace. Thank you. AM560, the answer. So in Studio Xanadu, on the television sets, the big story on all of the three propagandists of government supremacy is that the woman in Texas was granted a federal judge by the right uh, she can now kill her baby because a test result came back and said that the baby is sick, has some sort of a disease with the technology the doctors have now on the baby in her belly. And uh, she wants to kill the baby. It has a 95% chance of being born with a defect and not living a year. And I'm reflecting on our conversation with Professor Andre Archie about philosophy. And really, when you look at what we're facing, this government supremacy, this fascism, this phony virtue of altruism where we're going to all end up in utopia that never really seems to get delivered, what you really realize is that there, we wouldn't be here if Americans had a philosophy, if they lived themselves by a philosophy, but they don't. And when you don't have a philosophy, you never really live, you just survive. And when you think about a mother, and you think about your own mother, or the women in your life, and you tell them if, you're, if, if you had to make a decision that your kid had a 5% chance at being who they are today, would you kill them? And I, I, I am hard-pressed to know anybody or love anybody that says, yeah, I'd, I'd kill the kid and not take the chance. If, if you knew your kid only had a 5% chance at whatever it is, wouldn't you give it to your own kid? So if you're dealing with somebody who's willing to take that away from their own child, do you think they're going to argue about taking away your freedoms? No, because they don't have a philosophy that they live by. And I know, oh, and I know, oh, there's a chance... The technology we have in medicine is the same technology that took away all of our principles over the last three years in something that turned out to be wrong. They were wrong about the severity. But we didn't take the chance. We gave up all of our freedoms on the, on the off chance they were right, and they were wrong. And here we are now, and there's still not an apology for any of it. So when they're wrong, they never admit it. And by the way, every policy they have is wrong. And I'm reminded of, of who we're dealing with and the lack of philosophy they have. Now, you heard about the congressman, Bauman. He's a moron from New York. He's a socialist. He's part of the squad. And to prevent a vote in Congress, he pulled the fire alarm. He knowingly did it and then lied about it. Then covered up, then pled guilty. So Congress today took a vote of censure, which is a parchment phrase of elitist frauds that simply means we disapprove. It has no teeth. There's nothing in it. Now, what he did is technically, by the rule of law, a felony because, you know, hundreds of people were deployed. It shut down and the amount of money and all the rest of it. But listen to the people who, is, who are elected as representatives in our republic, in a country built on the philosophy of the individual and his right to exist and liberty and freedom and how government is supposed to be restrained from taking all of those rights away. This is the Republic. And I want you to listen who makes it up. Jamal Bowman 
has more courage in his pinky finger than the entire Republican Party put together, more integrity than the entire Republican Party put together. What? Well, the part that proves her wrong is his actions, his actions. But what proves her right is that what are you what are you doing with this censure anyway? I mean, it's a felony. And that's exactly why they're moving to censure him today. Let me tell you what's actually going on. New York Republicans are so embarrassed that they propped up George Santos, got him elected to office, and then had to turn around and vote to expel him, that they want to distract the entire world from their massive embarrassment. No, the massive embarrassment is the one opening its lipstick mouth now. Mr. Speaker, I yield one minute to the gentleman from Michigan, Ms. Omar. Gentlelady is recognized for one minute. Thank you, Ranking Member. It is understandable why the author of this censure doesn't know what is up and what is down. The author of a censure is a woman by the name of McLean, a Congress birthing person. Because obviously someone who wants to talk about crime supports a former president currently running for president that is facing 91 federal and state indictments. It is clear she doesn't know what is up and down because we sit on the Education and Labor Committee together talking about how she wants to help our kids, but all she wants to do is criminalize their ability to exist as individuals. It makes sense that she doesn't know what is up and down because she keeps talking about accountability and she doesn't understand. Oh, God. Now, now I know why her brother divorced her. That's perfectly normal. Massachusetts is recognized. Yeah, Mr. Speaker, the general lady uh, talks about uh, following the Constitution. Really? I mean, coming from that side, it, it's, it's laughable to hear that. I mean, silence about the crimes of Donald Trump. Silence about what happened here on January 6th. Uh, silence. Uh, you know, you, you want to talk about opening a door? Uh, you know, the people who, uh, who stormed this place broke down doors trying to kill Wrong. people. And Trying to kill you. Nobody had a weapon. I mean, that wasn't an FBI agent. Trying to kill people. Nobody, nobody died except a 120-pound veteran who was shot at point blank as she was unarmed, crawling through a window. As we speak here today, conflicts are raging around the globe, and the American people have told us exactly what they want us to do. Democracy is under siege. Putin is salivating at the prospect that Republicans might abandon Ukraine. 70,000 child care centers are on the verge of shutting down because the GOP let vital funding expire. We don't even have a budget, despite... Child centers, does she mean the the phony preschools or the abortion ones where they kill them? This is what it's like to discuss the ideology of the Enlightenment with people without a philosophy. Here, here's another moron that seems to be shocked by what is happening to his once great city. Caught on camera at a local construction company in L.A.'s Glassell Park, several thieves are involved, and tonight that owner tells us he's frustrated. This whole strip has been broken to. Our neighbors have broken to four times. These guys just got broken to two months ago. What are we supposed to do? We're a small construction company. His business now boarded up, and Bagley is fed up with the break-ins and elected officials. I voted for Karen Bass. I voted for Biden. I voted for Gavin Newsom. I'm sick of it. It's like at some point you have to give me a reason to vote for you again. Or just... I love it. You voted for your own robbers. 
That's who you voted for, stupid. And now you're even considering voting again means it's just not bad enough yet. Teresa on the Gold Coast. Hi, Sean. Um, you know, I was gonna... Oh, honey bunny, I love you too much to let you talk on the Albany. You see it in our security cooperation. We're working side by side. Combat. Is that me? Did I hit something? Uh, Robert in Bloomingdale. NSA is under attack. We're under attack, but go ahead. Sean, you're making me sick with these radical leftists. That's my... I got a question for you now. All right. You know, did you watch the debate yesterday? Yeah, I watched... Well, I watched bits and pieces of it. I watch it in yeah. arrears. Yeah, yeah. But well, I have my I have my professor friend texting me during, talking about how sick he was. But go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk over No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, here's, here's the question my wife and I were asking. Vanessa... And the governor from Florida, could this be a dress uh, audition for a VP spot now that Trump's pretty much got this sewn up? What do you think in the audience? No, I, I, I think that if Trump, if Trump uh, stays out of prison and if he's not uh, legislatively talk, taken off ballots and prevented from, from uh, being a representative the way the people want, he would probably pick, ironically, Tulsi Gabbard. Or RFK Jr. if we can ever get the flight records. But uh, I think he's going to pick a Democrat, a former Democrat, to run. And uh, that's what I think. I don't think he's going to pick anybody who stood up there. Maybe Vivek for some cabinet job. But that's, I mean, that's just my opinion. But the other thing, too, Robert, is I don't think he's going to win. He won in 2020. Yeah. And here we are. What has changed to prevent it? Nothing. 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 So, Nothing. you know, I think it's a, it's a giant distraction while Joe Biden delivers on his treason that he was bribed for by yeah. enemies of this country, philosophically. The Chinese philosophically own the Democrats. Philosophically yeah. own a very important Republican who pretends yeah. to be on our side by the name of Mitch McConnell and yeah. his Chinese communist shipping heiress wife. So I'm yeah. sorry if, uh, if I give you that, but ultimately no. what I'm trying to tell you is we will survive. The ideology of America will survive. It is under attack, and it may go into the formal dark ages, but ultimately they're wrong. On every hey, son, yeah, yeah. I just want to say, you no, know, I agree with you on that. That's what my dad keeps telling me too. And thank you for your time. You have a nice night, my your friend. Your dad? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How old is your dad? My dad is eighty-three years young. Wow, you got good genes, kid. You're going to be a fan of mine until uh, the NSA uh, back into the left me. Thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> it, Robert. Teresa on the Brass Coast. Brass Coast checking in, Sean. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you and for all the callers that remembered Pearl Harbor today. I, you know, um, I think it's been forgotten. So I really do appreciate it. Yeah. And, you know, regarding the illegals, you know, there are so many illegals who have been arrested. No one reports them to immigration to get them deported. Judges know full well they're illegal. And during the hearings, most of the judges, all they do is get them an interpreter so they can understand what the judges are saying to them. And that's it. That's all they you know, do. You know, you know, here's the blessing, Teresa. One thing that's for certain, when you see the tens of millions of dollars that was recently stolen from Chicagoans and Illinoisans in the absolute yeah. fraud that only through the spotlight of the nation was torn down, that boondoggle built on the on the wise guy owned property and the rest of it. At least there's some optimism there because people are starting to kind of pick their head out of their rear end and see what the yeah. Democrat mafia in Chicago has done. Now, if they're going to let them do it or not, that's the question. Uh, you know, did you right. see what's going on in New York right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, good stuff in New York, kid. Really, thank you very much for the call. 
Where is my Eric Adams? Let's make the people really um, feel optimistic if I could find it here. Let me let me take another call. Owen Willowbrook. Hi, Sean. Hey, Sean, I love when you play that that clip of that Democrat complaining about crime. Is that awesome? You know, they, they yeah, it's awesome. You know what? And and I hope you know they reap they reap what they sow and what they vote for. And I hope that Abbott just keeps sending up the immigrants up to Chicago here. I'd yeah. love to see him start coming to Hinsdale. No, oh, yeah. to Hinsdale. You know, do, do I mean, nah, there's a lot of good people in Hinsdale. You know, you really don't want to you don't want to kill that giving tree because those people are really making the world go around. Tonight, not good news for New York Mayor Adams. His approval rating has fallen to its lowest yet, just 28 percent, lower than any other mayor's approval rating in over a quarter of a century. Oh, just give it a minute. Another four months, that'll be our own, very own big Lori Lightfoot, Brandon Johnson. What is with that hairdo? When I get back, I've got a special guest for you who's all, also giving you some optimism, Chuck Barham in Freedom Square. Broadcasting from the Petri dish of corruption known as the state of Illinois. In the upper Midwest, in the nation, and around the world. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. At UPenn, a donor says his obligation for a $100 million donation to UPenn is now off the table. More good news. Rich, Indian Head Park. Hey, Sean, how are you tonight? Wonderful. How are you? Good. Uh, what I wanted to say, the first, I, I've got a couple things. The first thing is uh, I just want everyone out there to say a little prayer for all the uh, Americans who lost their lives in Pearl Harbor. And the second thing is, I hope that the Republicans are uh, are going to hold their ground on this uh, on this uh, uh, voting to, uh, to you know not what fund, uh, not fund Ukraine, and I hope that they let Biden know and this uh, King Jeffries that they're tired of being attacked for something that it's all their fault. If they don't close the borders, send them home, close uh, Congress, and and go home for their holidays. I wish him a Merry Christmas. And don't give, How about uh, the fact that these bums, Ukraine. these bums in this chaos, bums, representatives, right. bums, it's a part-time job. You're leaving on the 7th or on the 8th? On the 8th, you're out. What the hell's wrong no. with you? You work till Christmas, which is on a Monday. Then you get your lazy ass back to the office on Tuesday. We got a lot going on. But the other thing I'm not holding my breath about is he's a little smarmy, Mike Johnson. And he's the, he re, I remember what he did just a couple of weeks ago with the continuing resolution. He's smarmy. And he could pass another one and then go on vacation like the coward that he, the, the cowardice he uh, showed in the last so-called standoff. I well, put nothing past gonna, him, and I'm not holding my breath. Do you think they're going uh, to hold their uh, ground on this? Let's hope not for the best. It's like business. You hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. We'll be back. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like on top of me, so everybody... Just follow me, cause we need a little controversy. 
I am looking forward to this conversation. My next guest is a professor of political science at Portland State University. He's also a board member of the National Association of Scholars. His research primarily centers on democracy, legitimacy, climate change, global politics. He's the author of numerous books. The new book, The Case for Colonialism, it's out now. He is Professor Dr. Bruce Gilley. How are you? Hi, Sean. I'm great. Interesting topics. In particular, an interesting time to have the topics. I'm not sure which one of us is a contrarian, but it's one of us. Who do you think it is? <laughs> yeah, well, I think of myself as like no different than uh, most people who were working on the topic of colonialism up till relatively recently, actually, when you could have debates and discussions and think about history in different ways. That was normal. But those days are issue- gone, Professor. Those days are gone. Yeah, those days are gone, and uh, we now live in a world where you have to have one view, you have to tow the party line, and I don't tow it, so that's the problem, apparently. Right. Me me either, so this is going to be fun. Now, I I want you to educate the people, because these are words that are thrown around oftentimes by people who don't do not understand them or are using them improperly. Give us a little dissertation on colonialism. Colonialism means just when a country with a governing system decides to govern another part of the world, typically another part of the world that doesn't have a functioning governing system or whose governing system has collapsed, uh, usually with the consent of the governed, it's, it's very difficult to rule another people under the gun for any length of period. Uh, Western colonialism is a classic example. It largely spread very easily because most people wanted it to spread in the places that were colonized. And it basically set up systems of governance that allowed people to flourish, created market economies, property rights, the rule of law, infrastructure, education, public health, you name it. And everyone accepted those benefits for a very long time. But but recently, you know, in the 1960s on, suddenly it became a dirty word. And uh, and so we basically become stupid as opposed to about colonial history. <laughs> well, we agree on this. But the, the way that I see it, being from Chicago, is it's wonderful in theory, but the practicality of it guarantees if... If the system, if the government and those in charge are corrupted, keep in mind I'm from Chicago, becomes corrupted and operates as an organized mafia, then the people become servitudes, become slaves, cast into servitude. So where do you, where does the breakdown happen? Because I, theoretically, I understand it. But the practicality of what we've witnessed in our own country, let alone what happens in foreign lands, is the government becomes corrupted, the flaw of man. So how do you guarantee it can work without the corruption that exists right here in our country? Well, you can't. Yeah. So it's always compared to what, though? It's always the question is compared to what? So it's colonial governance compared to what? I mean, so if if the United States had not been colonized through the British Empire, we would have been colonized by a bunch of theocrats uh, yeah. from the Mayflower, and we would have been living in a pilgrim theocracy. So that wouldn't be more freedom-enhancing than the relatively benign liberal rule of the British state. And that's also the case for, for most of these places where colonialism went. Was it was it uh, corrupt? Of course it was corrupt. All human affairs are corrupt. <laughs> yes, yes was, it is. Was political, was political power abused? Of course political power is abused. Get real. Show me a place in the world where it wasn't. But it's all compared to what? And the compared to what almost always made colonialism look pretty good. And what you're seeing is interesting when you really take a stand at, 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 at what the... Uh, what the, what the principles of these theocracies are, what the principles of these dictatorships. And I'm wondering how you view it in Africa, which is an example of both success and failure, but now seems to be what exactly? 
Yeah, I mean, there were there were some countries in Africa that after the colonial era, you know, clung tenaciously to their colonial institutions. Botswana is one. Uh, Nigeria even came back from a civil war by saying we're going to you know, basically reclaim our British colonial heritage. I mean, but those are those are the exceptions. Most of them said, no, we're going to have Afrocentric governance and we're going to have uh, a new black approach to governing, which really just meant a big man ruler scarfing money off the top and banning opposition parties and nationalizing the entire economy. And, you know, it's been a very long time for Africa to break from that. There's been somewhat improvements since the 1990s, uh, but it's a slow process because once you repudiate this idea of a liberal governance system because you say you want something authentic or something decolonized, you're essentially repudiating the whole basis of liberal equality, which makes countries successful. And it's hard to, to just suddenly step back and say, no, 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 sorry, that was a mistake. We want that. Now, now I love the idea of spreading the principles of a republic. I do. I love the idea of explaining the nuances between a mobocracy, often referred to as a democracy, versus the principles of a republic. And we can only do this and tell people it. Where do you think it goes when you see the bastardization of foreign policy and the profiteering in the corruption of our money system introduced and manipulated in these former third world hellholes. I don't think of one that has a good experience. And what I'm referring to is our toying with it in the Middle East or toying with it in Africa. It seems like it always is a hybrid of a dictatorship where the profiteers are always who pretends to be in there on a democracy, be it Egypt or be it uh, Iraq. I'm curious to know how you see and, and sh how do we mitigate that? Yeah, you can't just go and have a couple of seminars on Republican government and then expect suddenly that a democracy or, or a proper Republican system, uh, which we really just mean an accountable liberal system, will arise. Of course not. It took, you know, it took the British uh, 100 years of governance in India to leave behind an effective parliamentary democracy there. A hundred years is probably the minimum it would take for a, a system to take root. So, you know, expecting that, you know, 15 years in Iraq or 20 years in Afghanistan is going to create a democracy out of even worse conditions is, is ridiculous. Um, and yes, of course, democracy, if it's all, you're just talking about elections, just becomes as corrupt as a one-party system would because yeah. there's no institutions of accountability and check and balance. But, you know, then again... Again, it's, you know, compared to what a, a half-assed Republican state with some degree of judicial independence, some degree of property rights, some degree of pluralism of political parties is better than none at all uh, in terms of, you know, human outcomes. Now, the absence of this is another thing, another country you specialize in, and that is China. And I'm curious to know, you see the pushback across the world against the intervention called colonialism or the implementation or you see in india the the the, the chaos and the scandal and the the calls of uh, slave masters against great britain and the rest of it but you don't hear a lot of pushback against a communist country in fact they put lipstick on the pig of that communism and those people have zero property rights from my understanding they're introduced in a very hybrid system they're more rewarded because of their loyalty to the party so isn't that the alternative to what you're professing 
Well, first of all, you know, China's economic boom is because they learned from colonial Hong Kong. I mean, colonial Hong Kong was the model. So, uh, you know, yeah. Ch- China's, to the extent that they escaped from the worst excesses of communist tyranny, mainly which was the centralized socialist economy, it was thanks to colonial Hong Kong and the model it showed about about how to introduce markets, at least maybe not property rights, but at least markets into into the labor market, into the capital market, into product markets. I mean, that's, you know, thank you, colonialism, you know, right. put a big put a big put a send a big thank you card to British colonial office types for the Chinese economic boom. Uh, the second thing is, look, you know, let's not ignore culture. Culture matters. We can't just say that, that oh, these ideals are, are perfect for every place and they'll take root the same way. They, they are perfect for the same for the same place, but they won't take root in the same way because cultures differ. Uh, China has a massively institutionalized and functioning culture that goes way back, way earlier than communism and created a functioning state that created a notion of, of courts and some degree of accountability and, and hard work and education that the communists are just piggybacking on. Uh, you know, that, that, that China is relatively prosperous, not because of communism, but because in spite of communism. We need to look at the counterexample of this. Look at Taiwan, which is China without communism, which is far more successful, more free. I mean, it is really the model. Uh, so, you know, China is a great model to look at, but, but you can't say that, you know, I'm, I'm an African failed state or a Middle East failed state and I'm going to bring in the China model. You don't have the Chinese culture at work for you. So you're yes. going to have to do a little bit of cultural work before you get there. So I thought that the way that we would break the grip of the Chinese Communist Party on China was through strengthening or supporting or at least discussing the success of Hong Kong. What I saw happen over the last 15 years was outrageous in a bipartisan fashion as we abandoned Hong Kong. And now when you see it engulfed by China, and we still don't know what happened to those people who exhibited the principles of the Enlightenment in Hong Kong, why do you think so many Republicans or people who call themselves opposition to the to the form of Democrat socialism in America, the Democrats, just shut up about Hong Kong, including Trump? I was astonished at how easy it was for China to just strip away the principles of, of freedom and property rights in Hong Kong and just engulf it. Well, for the same reason that, you know, Ronald Reagan thought that uh, Margaret Thatcher should uh, gently hand over the Falkland Islands to the Argentinian junta is there's a, there's a there's a bit of a problem in American political culture when you see the word British colonialism and suddenly you think you're in in the Hamilton musical, you know, with some sneering <laughs> king and uh, you know, it's just it's bad foreign policy. You take these places which are free free because of British colonial rule, the Falkland Islands, Hong Kong, and you, you stuff them into this American historical perspective, which is wrong. Wrong because, you know, these places wanted to remain part of the British Empire. The polls taken in Hong Kong before the handover were clear about that. Falklands has repeatedly said we want to stay part of the British Empire. And so if you if you if you can't Get, come to terms with that, then you just throw these people to the wolves. Um, and that's what happened in Hong Kong. The British say they didn't have any cards to play in Hong Kong, but I think that's nonsense. I think they could have defended Hong Kong just the way they defended the Falkland Islands. It's interesting when you see that how fast it collapsed and when you recognize what Hong Kong was for decades. What was it, 100 years under, under yeah. British rule? And it was only when they abandoned it, did it take less than a decade for China to seize it? 150 years of 
successful British rule, 150 years of colonization by Chinese fleeing from China, uh, first fleeing the decaying Qing dynasty and then fleeing the warlord period of the interwar and then fleeing communist China. I mean, Hong Kong was colonized by Chinese people who fled and colonized the British because there was no one there when the British showed up. Uh, and yet within, yeah, 10 years, this 150-year experiment was incorporated into the Chinese system, and it's just another tawdry, corrupt Chinese city now. I know I'm not the only American that feels we're losing the ideological Cold War with China, and it's not a matter of time before it comes hot, but it really wasn't started by us. It was kind of stoked through the acceptance of the Mao Zedong communism. And I'm wondering, when you see the result of Canada and the second-generation communist sympathizer, when you remember Pierre Trudeau and his journey and his walking with Mao Zedong and his acceptance of it, and then you see the influence the Chinese Communist Party has in our government and the romance between so many of our elected officials, do you think we can win the ideological Cold War? Or do you think it's a matter of time before um, the Chinese long game conquers our principles of the Enlightenment? Yeah, the, the, the Chinese are a bit like the Saudis. You know, they, they put on a big show for foreign elites, uh, give them, you know, 100 gun salutes and flyovers and find meetings in grand halls and tell them that they're friends of China. I mean, it's the old the old United Front tactic that the Soviets exported to the com to the communists in China, which is to, uh, you know, play to the egos of these people. You know, these are the people running our government, running our higher education institutions, our foreign policy. They love to be fawned upon by China. Uh, that tells them how, how important their work is on behalf of global peace. Of course, it's just a way to allow China's expansion in the world and to in some ways, demobilize our opposition, which we used to have against communist systems, but we lost. Um, it's it's a, a, a deep cultural problem in terms of our elites, and it's hard to wean them off of that sort of love affair with China. Did we not play right into the hands and continue to play into the hands? And how offended were you when you saw what San Francisco did for the arrival of the communist leader? I was astonished that in my country, not only would we create a Potemkin village of, a, of, a, of the example of failed American politics, but that we would only put up Chinese flags in America. To me, that was surrendering. I'm curious to know how you viewed it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I think we, uh, we always, until... You know, the, the, the break with Taiwan and tossing Taiwan out of the United Nations seat that, that Taiwan rightly held as the China seat uh, saw that the only remnant of China remaining was on Taiwan. And the Republic of China was the closest thing we had to a China. That was our ally. That was the Chinese flag that we flew uh, until we decided to shift allegiances to China. I mean, not that you can ignore this communist giant, but why legitimize it? Why, why, why suggest that it's anything except a tyranny that has seized power? As soon as they have elections and get voted back into power, sure, we'll run up the Chinese communist flag. But until then, the only China there is in the world is in Taiwan. Yes. You know what's interesting? I, 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 I notice what you study and what you focus on. I have believed for more than a decade that the so-called climate change, eco-Nazism as I refer to it, is the weapon of the saboteurs in my country. And they will wield it as a weapon against freedom. And it is the, the true example of American fascism. And I believe it is also being used to strengthen 
uh, the enemies of Americanism in China as they use these rules and regulations and fraudulent science against us. And nobody mentions what happens in these communist nations. How do you view the weaponization of climate science, I guess we're calling it? Yeah, climate science, COVID science. Don't forget, it all comes out of China. I mean, people yeah. forget this. Uh, the COVID bomb came out of China. The stoking up of greenhouse gas emissions is essentially caused by China as well, because, you know, they're building coal plants left, right, and center as we're trying to save the world with Priuses. And, uh, and that's, you know, yeah, being exported in terms of it gets a constituency here. Uh, of people who become essentially the mouthpieces for pro-China policy here. And uh, and the thing about both COVID and, and, and climate change is, you know, there's a, there is a, the, the silver lining, if there is one, is that the people advocating these things tend to be the people who aren't reproducing. So you know, yeah. after a generation or not, they won't be around because they've all decided to not have kids to fight climate change or not have kids to, to, to avoid spreading COVID. And, you know, Hopefully there's a kind of Darwinian process at work here where, where where this type of constituency dies out of the natural death. Yeah, I, I love that. I hope you're right. And I, I'm fascinated with the fact that you do all of this and you are contrarian to so many of the fascistic norms that are destroying my country. And you do it from arguably the second leading communist hub is Chicago being the first. Portland State University. How are you received there? And do you have your own security team? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, they recognize that I'm tenured and I have academic freedom rights. So uh, they've tried this, that and the other thing, but I think they've kind of given up on me. They realize I'm not going to shut up. Um, and don't forget, Oregon is a lot more purple than ultra liberal Portland, uh, which right. is often true of states like this. But, you know, we have a very strong and rich tradition yeah. of freedom uh, in the state of Oregon, and, and that's certainly the one that I adhere to. I, I'm hoping that you win and you can secede to Idaho. In the meantime, I really appreciate you making time for me, and I can't wait to read the book, The Case for Colonialism. It's out now, and I'm assuming you can get it on Amazon. Is there anywhere else you prefer the people buy it? Yeah, no, no. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, the publisher is New English Review Press. Dr. Bruce Gilley, thank you so much for the book and for making yeah, time and for the courage to discuss it. I appreciate you. Great to chat. We'll be back with your calls and comments. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560. The answer. AM560. The answer. The Biden administration will be judged by history as the worst administration in American history, aside from Jimmy Carter, who, by the way, an update, still alive. In the meantime, the idea that the future will judge us, that we hired this traitor, this asset, this open and notorious bribed political whore will be laughed at in the future. But who's going to be laughed at more is his cabinet of idiots. I have never seen such intellectual Lilliputians, dwarfs, midgets, whatever you want to call them. They're all children. Intellectually, this one in particular, his name is Quentin Folks. So I said, where, where would an idiot like this possibly come from? Do you know he graduated high school in 2008 and his big claim to fame is he was a split end. Oh, boy. In the meantime, he has a bachelor's degree from Georgia Southwest State University. And that's it. He immediately goes and works for a lobbying firm. Then he becomes an intern for Steny Hoyer. 
That's all he's ever done. He's a moron and a child. And then he opens his mouth and proves it. A lot of times you're hearing that African Americans are just not feeling it. They go to the gas station. They go to the grocery Oh, I forgot to mention. He got his job because of his race, not because he's good at anything. The cost of butter is high still. What is the Biden strategy to both lower that, but also to address the sentiment? You know what else, Squirrel? Turns out he was a deputy to the campaign manager and Capria during J.B. Pritzker's election campaign. Right back to the communist headquarters, short in the pants mafia, run, once great city, now ghetto, called Chicago, Illinois. That inflation is not necessarily going down and they're not feeling it. Yeah, look, I think we have to do multiple things at one time, right? I, I think, as you all have probably seen our advertising on air, uh, it's extremely important that we help Americans draw that contrast uh, between what is happening in the economy and the president. It's extremely important that we continue to tout inflation numbers as they continue to drop, that we continue to tout jobs reports when they continue to show uh, more jobs created. Uh, you know, Joe Biden has created 14 million jobs, 800,000 really good-paying manufacturing jobs. Uh, we have to continue to beat that home. But at the same time, the premise of your question, I completely understand understand as well, which has to marry what people are feeling. Uh, but, you know, I, I also think that it's really important to remind the American people where they were, you know, four years ago before uh, Joe Biden took office. Yeah, you do that. You are like a Pied Piper of morons, which is every Democrat voter I ever met in my life. And they continue to be cream puff, Jim, aren't you? Yeah, how are you? I, I guess Calvin Coolidge is, is back in Bogus. They, uh, Coolidge. Yeah, they brought Can we talk about debate. politicians that had the sex, had sex with the lights on? Can you name me any? That's what that's what DeSantis said. That was his favorite president, Calvin Coolidge, and he would be the. Not me. Uh, I like the well, fat yeah. one that needed help to get in and out of the tub. He didn't pass a law, yeah. and he died real yeah. quick in yeah. office. What was that fat bastard's name? John, John, Taft. John, yeah, give me Taft. Yeah, I take Taft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. hoping for Tyler. But I mean, that was their pick list. They, was, they wanted to go back to Cal Coolidge. Do you think they still have? Coolidge. Do you think they still have Taft's tub in case Chris Christie wins, so that fat bastard could take a bath? Well, I, I guarantee you, Trump is going to be hanging the sizes of, 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 of Christie's. Yeah, but he drives the golf ball. Yeah. He puts that shit yeah, behind the I mean, golf he ball. Be, he's the he's the best he golfing president we've ever had. No, but he rivals Taft as far as behind. If they had to take the, like the Nixon trip out of that helicopter out of the White House when they dumped him, yeah. if Trump got dumped, they'd have to put a, a new door out of the helicopter. Well, I'll tell you what, those fixtures have seen, we can agree, the presidential fixtures have seen some bad things, and I'm not even going to talk about the first ladies. Oof. Thank you very much. Poor Michelle. She got in Taft's tub. Uh, John in Genoa. Hey, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. How you doing? Good. Thanks for making it. How's Genoa? I always love driving through Genoa. I, Genoa, I know it's Genoa. I'm from Melrose Park. It's Genoa, like the salami. In the meantime, I would tell my wife I had all these appointments. i take a box of cigars, and i take Lake Street right through Genoa. Go ahead. Yep, yep, yep. That's, uh, that's the way. And, and uh, you know, my cousins, they're all about 10 years younger than me, and they grew up by you, like River oh. Grove. And you might know them, but anyways. Yeah, they call it Genoa, too, if they grow up by me. But go ahead. Yeah. But, uh, okay, here's my thought. I've been thinking of this for quite a while now. The GOP, the, Dem uh, the, the Republicans, okay? Okay, we need to win this election, right? Can't they 
people get together, put Trump, <laughs> Trump at the helm of uh, at the helm as uh, a board of directors. Treat it like a business. Let's get all together, get all the frontliners together, and say, brother, listen, brother, let's, brother, you're let's, such a good guy. No, no, listen. Let's put the pride aside. Let's make the United States number one. Let's yeah. Treat it There's more let's, money. Let's, There's more money in stealing, brother. You're you're never going to appeal. That, but you know, if Trump would just swallow his pride and say, "This is what we got to do to to save this country," I'll yeah. sit down, I'll grab all my supporters, and yeah. say, "We're going to stand behind this gentleman here because this gentleman will get." Some of the middle people and the people on yeah. the left to come on. Oh, over. John, that's a very dangerous two-letter word. If, if uh, I, I got, if that. my auntie Bing would have had testicles, she would have beat Rocky Balboa. She'd have been the middleweight champion of the world. She didn't. They don't. They're they like stealing. Mitt Romney, Nikki Haley, uh, Rhonda, Rona, whatever. They're making a fortune. Just being in second place, like Illinois Republicans. By the way, how are the marijuana sales that are owned by the Illinois Republicans? How about the gambling machines packed when the economy's bad? Kevin, Austin, Texas. Hey, Sean, how are you? Uh, Good. I'm trying to get sound a little better. Uh, what? Yeah, that was Kim Jeffries that you had on earlier. No, 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 no. That's Quentin Folks. Quentin Folks. He makes Hakeem Jeffries look like Socrates. Okay. Anyhow, the the, the main thing I was going to say was that. The Democrats are, you know, they're going to, they're telling you that it's raining outside as they're pissing on your leg. And they're going to continue to do that. And Hakeem Jeffries, you know, it's only like five different seats. And he's going to be the, the Speaker of the House. Kevin, Kevin. Let me ask Kevin. you this. Would you, let me ask you a question. If, if Trump's the nominee, would you, work, would you rather have Trump win or the Democrat? Well, I'd rather have Trump win. Okay, all right. And then. Would you rather would you rather have a Republican run the House, or would you rather have Hakeem Jeffries? Stay there is no such thing as a Republican in the House. There's, I'm, no, such I'm There's no such thing. And I, I, we've got a Republican leader today, and I, I think it's even money that he passes a continuing resolution tomorrow night, about five minutes before it's they all go question, under. Though. You sound like a politician. You're dodging. Like no, a I'm not. I'm not. I'm telling you, there aren't people. Okay. You you, you pretend rather... Republicans share your beliefs. They do not. I don't oh, know I how many times you got to get stabbed in the back before you start to pay attention. There are no the idea you have of of Americanism is a is only held by a very, very narrow few. You have about seven congressmen and about eight, maybe six senators. That's it. There is no party. There's only people. It doesn't exist. Republican Party doesn't exist. It's an illusion. It's a story. It's a fairy tale. You tell you tell yourself how many people want the government to be small and the citizen to be big. And the answer is, it's not in the GOP. Cream Puff Jim is right. It's not in the GOP. It's in only us. And until this system collapses, it will never be saved. Which is why Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, and 85% of Republicans sat idly by as the last election was stolen. They didn't care. So do you think all of a sudden... That those Republicans who want to be in the majority, like Kevin McCarthy, who retired into lobbying, he talked a good game just 45 days ago. He was our guy. He's going to right the wrongs and fight the Leviathan. That's what you're voting for. And that's what you're pretending fights for you. It doesn't. You need to take take example and take hold of your own life and make the best of it in the best places. 
Nobody is coming to save you. Only you are. But once you do, you don't need them. Guys like me don't need them, them to win. I always win. Because I believe in a philosophy of Americanism, and I will never let it waver. And I will never compromise my own beliefs to pretend I'm part of a party. I am not. I am not a Republican. Phil in Tinley Park. Hey, son. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what gets me, and I did appreciate your guest. Um, God, I forgot his name. He's the guy from Oregon State. Yes. Um, talking about China. He's obviously a learned guy, and, and I'm not ripping on him. But, you know, there's a there's 100 million members of the Chinese Communist Party in China, and there's a rule there. If you have a business, you have to be you have to be a member of the Chinese Communist Party. So just like Chicago things together here. Yeah. When when an American business is bringing in a Chinese businessman, they're inviting a member of the Chinese Communist Party into their place of, of business. And I don't know if everybody realizes that, but that's the case. So what I talked about what I talked about with him and what we tried to, what I tried to talk about, his name is Bruce Gilly. I know. What, I tra- what I tried to talk about with Bruce Gilly is the philosophical difference between the concept of introducing a Republican form of government to people who do not have it versus what we have. He was not an advocate on any level for the nope. Chinese Communist Party. In fact, he's rabidly against it. And see, here's the thing to understand, Phil. There was an opportunity to weaken the Chinese Communist Party if we would have stuck to those principles that were exhibited and taken advantage of by the by oh, Hong yeah, Kong. Hong Kong in like 2020 at the beginning, they were waving yeah. American flags. He said Britain should have defended them, but come on. No, no, no. But what he's you referring Britain, to... You really mean us helping Britain or Britain helping us? Well, what he's referring to is that Britain defended Hong Kong for 150 years. And it was yeah. after their lease was up that America was supposed to kind of step in, but there was no real agreement. And in less than a decade, it fell to the Communist Party. Not because and, and, and it was a failure, but because forgot. of intimidation. I mean, a lot of people have already forgotten how in 2020, that, that agreement was not supposed to be finalized until the year 2047. Right. That's when China was supposed to actually get it. They walked in and took it when we were preoccupied in the rest of the Western world. And that's another complaint. Solving the problem, the China virus problem that they created. And that's another complaint I have against the Trump administration. That's another complaint I have against the Trump administration. Another one. And, and that's why you have to recognize there were some failures. But when it comes to what we face, the Republican Party or the nuances of Trump, I'll take Trump every single time. 312-642-5600. Marxists, socialists, and communists are not welcome on the Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Oh, boy. I think the worst part about an election season is Frank the Putzlutz. Listen to me. Don't come on TV with your plastic hair. Your corporatism, your millions of dollars raised in lobbying for big pharma and the military industrial complex. And then tell me about polls, you putz. Just crawl off under the rock you came from. In the meantime, I feel that way about a lot of the Republicans. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. There was only one up there that correctly identified the greatest government entrapment example called January 6th that completely identified the election theft of 2020. That had the fortitude to tell the truth, even though his resume is built on lies. 
So if they should successfully imprison a president who nobody is defending, all of these people running for the nomination are not exposing the political persecution of Donald Trump, except Vivek Ramaswamy. That's the only other person I would even dirty my shoes to go vote for. This violent crime and this attorney general who's crazy, she's a lunatic. The attorney general sits here because she knows that she has a judge and no matter all the evidence, that that judge is going to rule in her favor. He ruled against me before the case even started. The case hadn't started. He knew nothing. And he ruled against me. His wife, a never-Trumper. Him, another never-Trumper. This is the greatest example in the last 50 years of political persecution in America, bar none. And all but one candidate for the presidency is discussing it. And the rest want to see him go away because they want to go back to their money-making scheme. They had it good in the Bush years. They stole a lot. Now the numbers are even bigger. Craig, I'm out great one. Sean, thanks for taking the call. Sure, thanks I'll for tell you what. Were you making out with Kevin in Texas? You both sound like you have the flu. I'm getting over all that stuff. I had a real bad cold and just kept right. hanging on. All right, good. You are right on the money on all these subjects, and I tell you what, especially with the so-called Republican Party and all that, dead on and everything, that it's, there's nothing there. There's there's nothing there. Well, here's what I wanted to mention. I've seen these, uh, these images from these uh, people coming over here from uh, crossing our border and everything. What the heck? There's not a single kid. There's not a single uh, child or a woman. They're all about six feet tall. It looks like a battalion of soldiers. It looks like a, mean, it looks like a Marxist invasion, and that's what it is. So, and they're waiting for the some, signal. They're waiting for the signal. And we don't know what the signal is, but it'll be tied to Trump's political persecution. That's for sure. And in the meantime, we're going to pick up all the costs of their living and their health care. It's a double whammy. We'll be back in 21 hours to expose the mafia and push back against what's been normalized corruption. See you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.